John, I've been around a lot of sports fans lately. Uh, played in Randy Shaver's golf tournament the other day. Uh, had a lot of sports conversations. And guess what? People don't like the Gobert trade, and everybody thinks Carl Anthony Towns is soft. That's not new, though. What's new is that you did a deep dive into uh, Chris Finch, his coaching strategies, how he performed the season. We're going to start with that before we get to the NBA Finals and just how bad Wolves fans should feel seeing Jimmy Butler and Kevin Love and uh, and the Adelmans and Ryan Saunders all in the <laughs> finals. But let's do that here on the John Krasinski Show. Let's start with your view of Chris Finch and his, his performance this last year. Yeah, so wrote a big story um, this week at The Athletic, just kind of, you know, I've, I've been chipping away at sort of a, a season-reflecting series. And we started with Anthony Edwards. We did the Rudy Gobert trade. Um, and the next edition of... The series it was on Chris Finch, kind of a deep dive. Um, you know, noticed certainly, I think, that coinciding with just the general fan angst that we have talked about uh, a lot on this show uh, it, about just the overall results of the team and maybe the underwhelming nature of their finish, uh, given the expectations after the Gobert trade. I do think that a, a lot of criticism was sent Chris Finch's way um, about sort of, you know, there's a, a few main things that that were uh, kind of tenants of the of the critics of Finch. And some of them were certainly well-founded, others maybe not. But, you know, they, there was a lot of talk about the crunch time offense, uh, the the struggles and kind of the the devolution to a uh, a, a kind of ISO heavy half court set that just really made it difficult for them to score in in those situations late in games. Also losing to teams that are at the bottom of the standings and not kind of getting up for those games and 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 dropping as many as they did that really prevented them from moving up in the standings and and caused them to have that 1-8 matchup that was that was too much for them to overcome. Um and and just kind of I think that there was a sense that the the inability to address some of the things that were that were bugging the wolves at the start of the season that just hung on throughout the entire year rebounding was another one stopping big runs things of that nature and so um i i do think that for it it was kind of interesting for me to see because after his first season full season in charge i think chris finch was remarkably popular uh, there was a lot of faith in his coaching among the fan base. And then now in year two, um, there's a lot of wondering about whether he is the long-term solution. Certainly some of the more unhinged fans are calling for his firing and saying he's not not the guy. And so it really was important for me to kind of really dive in and say, okay, what do the numbers tell us? Um, let's Let's look at both the good and the bad. And what you found was that, you know, not surprisingly on a team that, you know, wasn't remarkably good, but wasn't terrible either. There were certainly arguments to be made on both sides of the ledger uh, that, you know, uh, evaluating his performance, both for the good and the bad. What ju- what surprised you among the numbers you looked yeah, at? Yeah, so the, the biggest surprise to me, Jim, um, and, and I really did not expect this. Uh, when I went in, I had a preconceived notion about, what I was going to find in terms of just researching how things went. Um, 
I looked into the clutch time stats, you know, the, the, when games are within five points or fewer in the last four minutes of a game. Um, and, 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 you know, the Timberwolves, I kind of went into it just really thinking, man, this is where things went really, really wrong for the Timberwolves. Uh, all season and there was a lot of frustration why can't they finish these games why can't they score more and be better offensively down the stretch that would have made such a huge difference in how their season looked if they could just have um have pulled some of these games out uh one thing that certainly was supportive of that stance is their offense uh when you look at their offensive rating in clutch situations um it was generally terrible. Um, when you were, you, you look at, um, there's a couple of things that, a couple of numbers that really factor in. One is overall, their, their overall rating just for the entire game, 23rd in the league. That's not, that's not good at all, right? I mean, and, and even worse, their 106.7 rating with Gobert, Towns, and Edwards on the floor together is just awful. It was two points per 100 possessions worse than Charlotte's worst offense in the entire league for 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 their whole team. So uh, Finch's struggles in getting that trio to work together, exacerbated by the injuries, exacerbated by the absences, was really glaring. But then you kind of dive into, okay, let's look into those crunch time numbers and what this team did um, in in those in those kind of moments in the in the games biggest moments and and this is where it all fell apart right well not necessarily because you look at um their their overall numbers their offense really did struggle late in games that that there's nothing to dispute that but overall their defense was very good in those games and so they went in clutch situations they had a ton of them they played 48 games more than half of the season were games that came down to the wire essentially and they were 28 and 20 in those games and the only team that won more games in uh in clutch situations was Miami they had 32 wins in the clutch in the regular season and the wolves had a winning percentage of 583 in the in clutch situations that was seventh best in the league and most of that probably is because their defense was had 102.1 defensive rating in clutch situations, which was really, really good. So um, he has a lot, I think, to work on from an offensive standpoint and getting everything together offensively, but particularly late in games and getting away from the ball getting sticky, as he often liked to call it. But when you look at just the results, if this is a results-oriented business, the Wolves were really, really good in clutch situations. And that was actually one of the strengths of the team, which did not uh, jive with the way that I just remembered watching those games uh, during the regular season. Let's stay on Finch here. Hey, if you like the show, subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. If you go to talknorth.com and find other shows you like, including John on the Viking Update show, 
and all of our other sports shows, outdoor content, variety content. Subscribe to the shows you like. It's the easiest way to listen. It is free. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. This is the John Krasinski Show. Our producer is Brandon Morton. Our sponsors are TSR Injury Law, Headflyer Brewing, All Energy Solar, and Manscaped. Uh, I think all that's fascinating. And I think the two things that hurt Finch the most this year were the number one, the losses to bad teams. Number two, the fact that expectations were so incredibly high going into the season that anything that went wrong was probably going to get blamed on the coach. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, right. I I, I do think that is kind of reductive uh, and, and how kind of NBA fandom works. That's why coaches get paid a lot of money. They, 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 they take a lot of the heat when things are going poorly. And to that degree, like I don't want to say that Chris Finch had a fantastic year and was perfect because he wasn't. Um, and, and in the piece, we really do get into kind of his own admissions. And he said it to us after the season was over. Um, he just said his quote was, I never really felt comfortable with our offense all year long. I never felt like I had a great grasp on it. At times it was like shifting sands underneath our feet a bit. Um, and so when you think about that, especially this is kind of the opposite of the Tom Thibodeau regime. Remember, Tibbs came in as this defensive guru, like this mastermind who had such a reputation for being able to teach defense, to implement it, to get players to play defense. In Minnesota, during his time here, his defenses were terrible, awful, awful, but his offenses were really, really good. You, you know, top four, top five offenses in the league. Um, and and so it kind of ran against his reputation. Finch, when he came in, has the reputation of being an offensive guru, of being a very um, uh, creative, innovative coach. He's done it with all sorts of different lineups. You know, when you when you look at the Towns Gobert lineup, um, he had success and had experience in New Orleans working with Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins, and so. You, and in Europe, in the G League, he's just his expertise is adapting to the rosters that he's given and finding a way to make it excel. Well, this season, at least last year, their offense was really good. This season, um, the offense was really bad. And the defense was the thing that carried them. They were 10th in the league in defense. When Rudy Gobert was on the floor, they were the number two defense in the NBA. Last year, they were really good. Def- they were, well, top, they were 13th defensively, but certainly really good in relation to what the Timberwolves usually are defensively. So you can definitely make the argument that Chris Finch's greatest successes in his first two full seasons on the job have been what he's been able to do with the defense and it's now the offense which is supposed to be his bread and butter that he does have to get a better handle on that he does have to to find ways to make it easier on the players and I think that there are two things that you we will probably and hopefully see changed going into next season um one is that you hope that Gobert and Towns are healthy in training camp and they can kind of get a better start off that way. Um, but two is, as Finch also said to us, is that he may need to provide a little more structure to the to this offense. He's not a coach that likes to call plays every time down the floor. And I do think that 
he did kind of fight his nature last season and wanting to give this team more of a free-flowing uh, responsibility on its own shoulders, just kind of operate between left and right bumpers and 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 don't be heavy-handed. But with Gobert on the roster, you kind of needed to be more heavy-handed. Gobert needs more structure, needs more direction that way offensively. And I don't know that Finch acclimated to that as quickly as he should have. And so those are probably adjustments that he will have to make going into next season um, to kind of, you know, solidify that end of the court for sure. A couple more thoughts on Finch, more on the finals. So we do want to thank TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME. I was playing golf with some uh, people in the Randy Shaver Classic, and uh, they were telling me how much they liked the episodes of Steve Terry on. We need to get Steve Terry back on the show here soon. Uh, Steve, thanks for all the support. Remember, if you're ever injured, uh, Steve and his cohorts, his colleagues, will take good care of you. 612-TSR-TIME is the number. 612-TSR-TIME. Call it. They will take care of you. If they can't help you, they'll send you the right direction, and they will not charge you unless they win your case. And guess what? You see their ads all over the place because they have a large marketing budget. Because they win so many cases, they can afford a large marketing budget. It all ties together. They help people. It builds their business. They help more people. 612-TSR-TIME. John, tell us about Headflyer. Headflyer Brewing, Northeast Minneapolis. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. We'll hear that that theme uh, coming through uh, a couple of the other ads in this in this program. But uh, it's a great place to go for take your dad, sit outside on the patio. The weather is getting beautiful. Um, have a a nice beer, any kind of beer that you could want. Headflyer has for you. So it, it it kind of caters to all sorts of different tastes in for the beer lover in your life. Uh, I particularly right now, I'm loving the crunch time. That is the collaboration with Talk North and with myself. If you go there, you can buy it in cans. It has my name on it. It's kind of like a Blue Moon style wheat beer, easy drinking, really refreshing. Sit outside on a summer day. Um, you can watch the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, the uh, the Twins on, many, on their many flat screen TVs inside their beautiful tap room. So stop in. Tell them the John Krasinski show sent you head flyer brewing Northeast Minneapolis, right on Hennepin Avenue, just off of 35 W. There's a lot to worry about when running a business. Your utility bill shouldn't be at the top of that list. Solar energy cuts down on unpredictable utility costs, making your job just a little easier. Find out more about how your business can go solar at allenergysolar.com slash learn. If you go to allenergysolar.com slash coach, you can find out all about, uh, solar panel installations, how easy they can be done, how well All Energy Solar does them because of their vast experience. So go to allenergysolar.com, check out your options, whether you were a business or a private individual. Now, John, tell us about Manscaped. Friends, family, and loved ones, I bet you haven't purchased a Father's Day gift yet, have you? Not to fear, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming are here. I'm talking about our friends at Manscaped. They're saving the day yet again with the total package for the father figure in your life this year. It's time to upgrade his game from waist to face with this exclusive offer. Have him join the 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. Let's start with the ultimate Father's Day MVP, the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold his goodies. 
And we can't forget about the moneymaker. Manscaped has absolutely changed the game with their new Beard Beard Hedger Pro Kit for fathers around the world. Included is the Beard Hedger Trimmer, Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, Beard Balm, and two free gifts with their signature beard comb and scissors. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ATHLETIC. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to Aquarius Home Services for providing the studio. Thanks to Brandon Morton again. All right, let's get into this. I, I tend to look at things, you know, as big picture as possible. And one thing I think we shouldn't overlook when it comes to Finch, Anthony Edwards, who a lot of people didn't want the Wolves to take the number one pick. A lot of people thought that this is a it was pure Wolves bad luck that they had the number one pick when there wasn't a more sure thing player at the top of the draft. Now here we are, and everybody in fan, in Wolves fandom believes in Anthony Edwards. I think Finch has something to do with that. It, Finch has a lot to do with that. Like you look at both, you know, Finch and his coaching staff, with you know, um, so many of the, the the people that he's put together to develop talent uh, it, up and down that staff from Pablo Prigioni and Kevin Hansen and Elson Turner and. Joe Boylan and Chris Hines and everyone that is there um, on, on the staff, it, it, it has set up a culture that develops players and helps them get better. Anthony Edwards has t- took a leap this year. Jaden McDaniels took a leap this year. Nas Reed took a leap this year. And when you look at how this team and this franchise has to build going forward and how it's always had to build and, and frankly has fallen short is you're not going to recruit a bunch of free agents to come to Minnesota. Certainly not in the early on, unless you become a championship team. Uh, You don't have a ton of money to spend on free agents because of all the money you're giving Gobert and Towns and, um, and eventually Anthony Edwards and Jaden and everyone else. So that means when you draft players um, or you find, you know, undrafted guys um, you have to develop them into significant players, role players, or even stars or young stars or things like that. And that's what this staff and this program has done with these guys. And that's what they'll continue to have to do with Wendell Moore, with Josh Minot, because they don't have a first round pick this year. They'll have to look at, um, you know, who they can get in the second round coming up in the draft, things like that, and, and get them into the program, maybe have them play in Iowa for a little while, and then eventually become players who can help your roster. And so Finch's job, not only developing those players, but also earning their trust and respect is uh, no small thing here because Anthony Edwards sings his praises every chance he gets. Nas Reed, even when he has been in and out of the lineup, has never been one grumbling about Finch in in those scenarios. He's he's always... uh, maintained confidence that if he plays well enough, Finch will get him more time. Jaden McDaniels likes him. Mike Conley, who has been coached by a million different guys over his career, uh, says, you know, that Chris Finch is one of the best he's ever worked with. And so that rapport with players, in addition to his just overall leadership and stewardship of the franchise are all good reasons for him to, to stick around and, and, and for, the organization to want him to be here. One of the other things that was in the story 
Jim, that got, I think, a lot of reaction when people just saw it in print is that if Chris Finch finishes next season, um, he will be one of only three head coaches in the Wolves' 34-year history to have coached three consecutive full seasons. Just think about that. It's Rick Adelman, who was only at three. It's Flip Saunders, who did his eight and a half before he was fired. And it's um, and and then Finch can be the third one if that happens. And that is a remarkable run of instability, a remarkable lack of continuity. And you look at the NBA finals with Mike Malone, who's been there for eight years, with Eric Spolster, who's been there for 15 years, and what kind of a benefit that provides an organization. Um, it just like, I, I think everything has to be done to just try and see if you can keep this thing going together and keep him going because he's done some really good things. He has some improvements to make. Uh, but the, the lack of continuity has been an absolute disaster for this franchise forever and ever. And, uh, and, and Chris Finch has the chance to break that mold and go forward. There are moments during these NBA finals when you can see Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, Ryan Saunders, and uh, and and Mr. Adelman all David in the same Adelman, camera yeah. shot. Uh, David, yeah, I, sorry, I blanked there for a second. Uh, what goes through your mind when you see that? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess um, it's really, it's interesting, right? I, I think that when you see how, how all these guys kind of came and left the organization, there's there's certainly different responses, maybe individually to each one. I mean, I, I still think that the way that things went down with Kevin Love at the end of his run here in Minnesota was really unfortunate more than anything because he was this effervescent, funny, charismatic, vibrant dude in Minnesota for the first four years or so of his run. And towards the end, he was so miserable and he was um, just down and dour and and we've learned a lot in the in the in the ensuing years about his struggles with mental health that maybe have shed a little bit of light on that. I also don't blame him in some ways for being upset at how things were being handled because David Kahn was the one that was overseeing his contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, at the end of Kevin Love's tenure, Uh, I think everyone was sort of ready to part ways and it was hard to be around Kevin at that time for various reasons, but to see the way that he has sort of blossomed and, and, and adapted and changed, you know, first in Cleveland and now in Miami into this, you know, ultimate role player locker room guy um, who has embraced sort of the things that were getting in his way uh, over, over so many years, like it's, it's remarkable. I like every time I cross paths with Kevin, now we talk for 15, 20 minutes and I just really enjoy him. He has grown into his own skin at, you know, in a way, um, and become just a real adult. And, um, and, and he has such a great perspective on things. And so I'm happy that he has found success in Miami with Jimmy, obviously, you know, that was a, a much more explosive exit. Um, and I disagree with the way that he handled things and the way that he did things to get his way. 
in Minnesota um, and get his exit out of Minnesota. Uh, but when you look at him now leaving Minnesota, leaving Philadelphia, and then getting to a place where he is the only guy, it's his show. There is no one else that is running that thing. And I do think that sometimes the Heat probably want to tear their hair out while dealing with Jimmy as well. But he is, he to me feels like Kendall Roy in succession, where, you know, you've heard all of the qu- stories about um, how difficult it is to work with Jeremy Strong behind the scenes as an actor, how finicky he is, how um, kind of, you know, just all of his quirks, all of his idiosyncrasies, it seemed to drive people crazy on that set quite a bit. But the finished product when he is on the screen is undeniable and is incredible. And I think that's Jimmy. Like you deal with some things behind the scenes, some things that people don't like, some things that people really love about him. Um, Sometimes he can be maddening. Sometimes he can drive you crazy. But when it's crunch time and when you need him on the court where it matters most, he just delivers over and over again. And um, and the Heat have found a way to operate in the Jimmy world and not have everything fall apart as it did in Philly, as it did in Minnesota, as it kind of was at the end of his Chicago tenure as well. It was kind of ugly. So um, they've just figured things out. And that's been it's been impressive to see how they've they've been able to do that uh, with, with, and finally with, with Saunders and Adelman, I'm just happy for them both. They're both really, really good people, really good, you know, smart coaches who have been in this business for a long time. I think David Adelman is going to be a head coach again, you know, fairly soon in the next couple of years. Ryan will, if he stay, maintains with it, will get another shot down the road, maybe a little bit further. Um, but those, those guys who took plenty of criticism for, well, they're only there because they're, uh, because of their dads and things like that. They're really good coaches who have really helped that staff. And so, um, you know, just just happy to see them get in that position and, and really have a chance to win a title. Given that the Wolves haven't made any actual news here in the recent weeks, I'm amazed at how much more I want to talk about all this stuff. I think there are so many interesting angles. I want to talk about Rick Adelman, who was honored the other day. I want to get more into uh, some of these Wolves figures and, and why they succeed other places. I want to get more into Finch. For today, we're going to, we're going to pause today because I want to get, I want to, speaking, taking the phrase deep dive, I want to continue with the deep dives on those subjects going forward. Uh, for today, let's get a final thought from John. Thanks again to Brandon Morton. Thank, and we're, again, coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. John, one more thought for today. Yeah, I, th- I just think, um, you know, I, I'm really excited. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. I'm excited to watch the finals um, uh, tonight again. And I think that I was kind of anticipating more of a kind of a Denver romp. And maybe that was foolish of me to discount the Heat, who have been discounted everywhere in every other series. But um, to see the way that Miami responded in game two, I think is just as a basketball fan, the best possible scenario, because uh, now we have a very intriguing series. It's been well played in the first two games. Uh, and, and it does seem like this has the chance to go six games or seven, uh, you know, a, a little bit better now that it's 1-1 coming out of Denver. And as a basketball fan, that's all I want. Hyper-competitive, a really high quality of play. That's what we've seen in the first two games. And I can't wait for game three. 
Uh, agree completely. It's a fascinating series. It's been a fascinating playoffs. I uh, can't wait to watch tonight. We'll we'll talk more about the finals next time we get together. Thanks to everyone for listening to TalkNorth.com and the Giant Krasinski Show. Thank you.